KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. New Philadelphia Police Commissioner Kevin Bethel was sworn in last month and is tasked with dramatically reducing crime in the city. Gun violence, growing the police department, handling retail theft, problems with ATVs, and strengthening community relations are all on his mind. We have one a challenged city with violence, and then you think about our children living in some of the most challenging areas in America. Like I tell people it's not just Philly, right? It's America, you know? And, and so if we don't do something different with them, then how do we expect their, their lives to change? Bethel came to KYW News Radio studios in Philadelphia earlier this week to discuss his strategy. He knows the road ahead won't be easy, but says that anyone who knows him knows he believes in hope. We're really going to double down on our work around, work with our young people to find a, a different path for them if we can. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers, get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. KYW News Radio crime and justice reporter Kristen Johansson and Philadelphia Police Commissioner Kevin Bethel. Their conversation begins with a look at Bethel's background. I started uh, policing in 1986 as a cop in the center city, a different center city back then. This is phenomenal now. Moved through the different ranks of sergeant uh, and lieutenant. I spent a lot of time as lieutenant in narcotics running uh, some uh, very high-level, especially narcotics groups. And made captain, worked in the South Philadelphia, and unfortunate in 2009, be appointed to deputy commissioner when Commissioner Ramsey uh, came to the city of Philadelphia. And I ran uh, half the city, patrol operation, Rock uh, Regional Operation Command South. And then the last four years before I retired from 2012, 2016, I ran operations for the city, entire city of Philadelphia. Retired in 2016, and now I'm back. One of the obviously highlights, of, I say highlights of your career, at least professionally, the just dealing with juveniles in general and the mm-hmm. education. When you left the department to go and start working with kids and, and really in depth in that juvenile justice programs that you were involved in, what did you learn about kids that people just generally maybe don't know? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Those awarenesses would come before I left the police department. Uh, before I left in around 2000. Uh, 2012, 2013, I was exposed to a part of a national program asking law enforcement leaders across the nation to bring it together, said we have to do something different, That particularly around the disparities. Many of the kids are coming into the system, kids of color. And and what it did was start to expose me to different trainings. You know, I, I shared with people, you know, trauma, you know, and I thought, you know, a kid coming from the neighborhood pulled up by my bootstraps not realizing that kids were being sexually abused. Well, I knew that, but it would bring me back to that place that trauma was, you know, I wasn't sexually abused as a child, wasn't physically abused as a child, wasn't in the foster care, I wasn't, you know, my parents weren't incarcerated, though my father would leave my mother. Um, we would be a single-parent home, you know, and then moving into adolescent development, understanding the development approach, that many kids don't understand the consequences of their actions because their brains are just not developed like that. And so that would lead me to start the diversion program, which I did, but also lead me to lead the department to really get myself more seeped in that work and travel around the country, talking to my law enforcement colleagues around doing something different. And so that experience, and then when I, you know, coming back and doing the school safety is when I really, really would see the upstream, you know, it's one thing to kind of talk about it. Uh, one thing you meet some kids here and there, but to then to get really seeped in juveniles and meeting those juveniles who are just dealing with so much trauma. No, I, I think so. By the time I get to the school and just really recognize just what it's like to work upstream with these these young people and, and understanding just the, the significant levels of challenges they face, 
the trauma that they chase, which I described, you know, and, and just, just overall the supports they need, you know, uh, to, to be able to thrive in this, in, in, just in life. We have one, a challenged city with violence. And then you think about our children living in some of the most challenging areas in America. Like I tell people, it's not just Philly, right? It's America, you know? And, and so if we don't do something different with them, uh, then how do we expect their, their lives to change? And so, you know, as we move into my work now in the school, moving from the school district to the police department, not only will we do the diversion work, but we really look to expand that work now. You know, we have phenomenal programs. I was just talking to somebody earlier about PAL, the Police Athletic League, which uh, we were just talking about uh, with one of your colleagues. I mean, here's a formidable program that really touches kids on a regular basis. And, you know, and that out-of-school time we know is the most challenging. So as I move, bring that experience into the police department, and we're really going to double down on our work around working with our young people to find a, a different a different path for them if we can. You've been obviously in court. You've heard stories from these kids or from even these families. And you hear that parents are maybe doing everything that they can, that they're in court and they're like, I work two jobs. Or there, There's a lot of poverty, obviously, within this area, too. What would be, I guess, your... From all you've learned dealing with kids and teenagers, how what would your advice be to parents who feel like they maybe have an out-of-control teenager that they just can't reel in? Well, I, I think, you know, as a parent, I mean, you have to be proactive, right? You have to really be intentional. Things don't happen just because, you know, they're, they're not going to fall in your lap, right? You know, I mean, my mother, you know, years ago, you know, as a kid knew, raised by a single mother. But she knew, you know, I worked with my godfather to clean this. You're going to be there. She knew that the power program I had two power programs. I wanted to play football and one I that was going to do that. When they had baseball and, and, you know, she signed me up for baseball, made sure I played baseball. Right. When the, you know, football came up. She, so because my mom knew at that time that I'm a young adolescent boy and I need to be engaged in doing things. And so I often challenge, you know, uh, parents that you have to be intentional. Right. And you have to also find out what your child likes. Right. It's not just forcing them into some space where they just don't want to be. You know, you know, you really have to find ways to, to engage as a parent, your kids, because what has happened in the past and what I found in my in my juvenile work, the mother who a parent and oftentimes, unfortunately, you know, a single parent has got this young son and they can't control him. And they've often turned to the court system to be that controlling factor. If I get my kid arrested and he get on that ankle bracelet and I'm not, I'm not this person, you know, this is just me talking like a basic story. Uh, and then, you know, he's going to come in at 10 o'clock. If he gets in at 10 o'clock, the chance of him getting out there on the streets and getting hurt or potentially shot or potentially killed reduces, right? We've, we, yeah, we, we have to do a better job of, of sharing with those parents, you know, what are the things available? There's a lot of programs that oftentimes don't show up on a website because the, the program doesn't have the capacity to do that. I mean, and so I think, uh, and I believe, you know, as the mayor moved forward in her work um, and, and her safety plan and, and the things that we will do is how do we share with those parents those things that their kids could get involved with, those things that they should do. We know that out of school time is the most challenging time for our kids. You know, I mean, we had two hours after school. And so the stuff that the school district does with programs, keeping kids out of school, we know, we know even coming out of COVID how important that work is. And we now have to find ways to make sure that when a mom looks up, what can she see her, she, he or she find uh, for their child? We also have to understand that not everybody 
is going on the website or into, you know, onto a computer to find that information. You know, so how do you be able to put that information out to individuals who's oftentimes do not know how to navigate the computer to be able to find those things, but could have a program right around the corner that no one knows. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot of work, but I would tell, you know, parents that, you know, you are just being in their lives is the first part, right? Having a positive adult in the child's life, we know works. So don't cast that away, right? You know, I mean, don't give that up no matter how troubling and challenging it can be. We also know that most of our young people will age out of their negative behavior or, you know, I mean, or the delinquent behavior. They will age out of it, you know? And so, you know, if you stay the course, you know, get, and, and most importantly, get your kid in school. Keep them in school, right? We know that if you, you know, kid gets on the other side, has a high school degree, he and she will set themselves for, up for life. It's only, what, 65% of America doesn't have degrees. And, and so we know that. So I would challenge parents, you know, you have, uh, coming from the school district, a place where your child can go and get all the supports he or she needs. Keep them in school. Don't let them drop out. Push them to continue in school. You know, and even when they don't want it, and I think that's a, it's a, you know, my, my two cents in that space. So obviously there's a lot of change. I think there's also a lot of hope for a lot of people in Philadelphia that there will be a turn that there's been a little bit of a tide turn for violence in the city, but is there something specific that you're focused on with your administration now that you're kind of settling in? Is there something different that you're going to do? Some, what do you think is your biggest challenge? I, I never give up hope. Anybody knows me. I, I believe in hope. Uh, is and and I mean the mayor said her charge through her campaign with her safety plan around where her vision was and and I build around that right. She set the kind of the template uh, of the work of what's necessary and has some very key and very important parts in that in that plan that that we will move forward with. As you saw when I was installed into the position, you know we went right after that. And we you know we did a series of executive orders. Core early focus is really focusing on those things. The charge that the mayor has given me, one around, you know, the violence. I mean, my strategy is, is really the similar, the strategy the police department has been doing for some time. But uh, I ran the crime strategy, so I'm very seeped in, in, in the data and, and what's needs to do. We're really focused on those districts that have the highest level of violence. We have about 10 districts uh, that represent about 80 percent of our violence in the city. It will require a collaboration with all of our community partners and others to help us support us in that space. We're going to move, you know, really focus on our community policing and what needs to be done in that, our community policing spaces. As you know, the mayor really is part of our campaign, really champion, you know, getting back on the ground and having footbeats. And, and we'll be build that into our model as we move forward with our plan. And and then clearly, you know, there was other things that were outlined in that strategic plan. I mean, in the, you know, the mayor's executive order around, you know, doing a, a retail theft. Uh, we will announce, uh, you know, a citywide initiative around retail theft, it's not acceptable that individuals can walk into stores and take whatever they want without any certainty of something happening. As I share with them, the consequences, I think your listening public knows that we're not putting people with retail theft away for a year or two years, but we, but there is consequences that should be uh, aligned with that. ATVs, I know that oftentimes it's frustrated many in the community. Um, but So we're going to really take a, a really concentrated approach in really uh, addressing the violence uh, and so when it comes to to change, I think it really is just, you know, really getting the, the department to lean forward, you know, get my men and women to who have often felt un, undervalued now, devalued, undervalued, uh, who feel like the community doesn't. That's just I tell them that's just not true. And it's important, as you know, that the folks understand that, they're, you know, how they 
our men and women want to, to do the job. Most of their work is service work. And so part of what we will, my job now is to really champion them. You know, they're, they're good men and women who want to serve this community. And, and we're going to really lean into that work in a more effective way. We'll have more of Kristen Johansson's conversation with Philadelphia Police Commissioner Kevin Bethel in just a moment. But right now, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda, KBB.com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid. Now let's return to Kristen Johansson speaking with Philadelphia Police Commissioner Kevin Bethel. One of the biggest things mm-hmm. that you're going to be tasked with is just trying to get the numbers up. Of And that's mm-hmm. all across law enforcement, not just with Philly PD. But how do you try and attract talent or the good people, the good cops, especially in, I'm going to say, a post-George Floyd, post-Walter mm-hmm. Wallace world where that is obviously, it's still kind of tense between police and some parts of the community? Listen, I mean, it, it, it's multiple two ways, right? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we, we have to create a brand that people want to be a part of. Right. And we have to create a, a brand that that individuals see as something they want to be a part of. And we're going to get the warrior, you know, the guy, the girl who just has been thinking and breathing a police officer from the time they were born or coming from a cop family or coming from a military background. And they want to come into policing where we now have to start. To, but many of our individuals out there want to come here as be guardians. Right. And, and, and often, too, for, for a long time, we've just really focused on we want the warrior. Right. And, and so uh, but we want the guardian who can be warrior when they have to, because, you know, that's just the reality of the work. And, and so part of our recruitment is really leaning into who do we want to be as an organization? And then when I turn on that TV and I start to see that we've done a good job of starting to brand the other things that we do in policing. You know, we have a phenomenal PAL center. We do we do work with in, in a community on a daily basis that oftentimes people don't see. Right. We don't highlight that enough of the work that we do with all the positive and goodwill that we do. And so someone turning on the TV says, Oh, I didn't know they did that. And, and so part of that is, is really, really working hard to really demonstrate who we are as an organization. So when they are attracted to coming to the police department, I could put a SWAT outfit up and a K-9 officer that I don't want that. But I put one of my community relations officers up or show stuff being some, our, 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 our folks working with young people at our PAL center. And they say, well, wait a minute. That's another part. I didn't know that was part of the police department that I could be a part of. The other thing is, I mean, we, we also have to have a more global conversation. If we constantly talk about, you know, policing in a negative way, and we constantly talk about the funding or, you know, or, or every time something happens, and then, then it makes it harder for us. And so I, I challenge all of us, myself included, but more importantly, folks out there in the field, that it makes it hard if, if all, you, all we do is just say, you know, these men and women, abolish them. Or, or they shouldn't be here, you know, I've shared in other conversations. I mean, people call 911 over 2 million times a year. And those are service calls. That's right? just I mean, in Philadelphia? They yeah, call? yeah. I mean, you know, and so, and many of, I mean, because, you know, that's, they see us as a beacon of, of support. And, you know, and we should be able to meet that charge on, on a regular basis. 
one of your biggest critics, not your biggest critics, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest critics of the, the police department has been mm-hmm. District Attorney Larry Krasner. Have you had conversations with him? How do you foresee that relationship? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't, I come into this organization, you know, been here you know, a little over a month now. Don't come in here with uh, bringing any of the previous conversations. I'm not sure, you know, I would couch uh, Larry, uh, D.A. Krasner is a critic of the police department. Um, he, he, there has been some, some, you know, obviously tension uh, between the police department and, and, and D.A. Krasner. I mean, but at the end of the day, people want us to see, you know, us working collaboratively. You know, they don't want me, you know, I could sit in a news conference and we can, you know, throw shots back and forth all day long. That doesn't show the, the, the listening, the people watching, you know, a unified a city and people working to, uh, to work effectively. I work with a D.A. Krasner. I mean, I'll share him with him uh, the work that we're doing. Our strategy will be shared with him. And so he can align his resources around that. We won't always agree. I mean, you know, he has, you know, a different position. You know what I mean? And he, he's, he's stated that, right? He got elected on that. You know what I mean? But I think there is an opportunity for us to kind of hit a reset. It is an opportunity for us to, you know, be, I'm going to be very public about what we're doing and what our strategies are. I'm going to be very public you know, around, you know, and who's collaborating with us to move us forward uh, with the expectation there's be some limitations to that. But I think that we can probably agree on things more than we can disagree. And, and so if we just continue to stay focused, I plan to be professional in that space and, and really, really work behind the scenes to see how we can we can move the needle as a collective body. One of the pieces that Mayor Parker ran on was bringing pieces of stop and frisk. Obviously, that there, there's a lot of statute and law that kind of outlines how that can that how that practice can be set forth. Have you had any conversations yet with the mayor? Are there any kind of decisions policy wise? I, I think I think you know the mayor very clearly outlined the Terry versus Ohio Terry stop, moving away from the conversations of stop and frisk, even though. No, we're not going to change that. The mayor was very clear that there will be, you know, the city expect our police department to be working in a very constitutional way and doing, you know, doing our work appropriately. And, and so, you know, the stopping, you know, first, the term that's always used, it's in policing, we learn, teach it as Terry stops, has always been in policing, not just here in Philadelphia, but across the nation. Clearly, we, we know that some of the reservations of it has been overused and, and we understand that. But, you know, there's two parts of that process. There's you know, reasonable suspicion that a person that has, may have committed a crime or about to commit a crime and the officer makes a stop. And then that same edict then moves to the second phase of that to frisk because the officer reasonably believed that person may have a weapon on them. I mean, those are, the, you know, just some core tenets of, of policing, you know, when you do make a stop or you're making arrest or, or you, you know, the work you're doing in, in, in the community. Our stops are, are reviewed from you know, we have a federal judge who oversees uh, our consent decree, a federal consent decree. And we have an outside entity that reviews all of our stops. We have layers of, of, of review within the police department. So every time anyone, regardless of their race uh, or, or, or gender, who gets stopped, uh, that process starts a review. Uh, do we do officers get it correctly all the time? No. There's a percentage of officers who get retrained in that space to make sure that they understand uh, they are meeting the standard of the stop, and, and so we but we will continue to use that a, as a strategy uh, that has always been a part of policing. I think the mayor just reemphasized the importance of of what that resolve and not taking that tool. It's not even a tool; it's part of practice, right? Uh, I mean, and so taking that away from policing and the impact it has not, not just on the particularly on the safety of a police officer when a person may in fact have a gun on them. 
And so we will continue to use that strategy as we continue to do today. You know, stops are make, being made across the city, probably right now, uh, and they should, we expect them to be done in a constitutional way. We do not expect officers to be, you know, they're not riding through the community, grabbing individuals and running up on corners. And I mean, that's not, that would be appropriate. And when those incidents happen, we would ask the public to let us know and we would, we would, we would look into those matters. It's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize that you all, the police, all departments are guided by Pennsylvania law versus something that happens in Philadelphia. So sometimes I understand that like city council or somebody may make, I'll say something either illegal, outlawed, something like that. But then, you know, the department kind of has to try and switch gears, but they're also making arrests based on what the accreditation of the Pennsylvania guidelines are. How do you do that in that framework? We've always had that, right? There's always been not the tension, but, you know, the, the city, you know, the, the city councils, whether it be here in Philly or across the, the nation, you know, set forth different statues and, and different uh, 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 codes, you know, codes that they develop. If you look at them, you oftentimes say, oh, my God, it looked like it's a crimes code. We have the state Pennsylvania code. We have federal law as well. And there's always been this kind of intersection of of differences of, you know, and, you know, and how we exercise them. Um, and so, you know, we've been need, we've been threading that some recent ones you know, you know, may have caused a little bit more. Uh, but if you think about my diversion program, the state says when we started the rates for interstate, you know, if you look through, I mean, you know, it, it mandated that the police have to be called for every a certain enumerated offenses for kids locked up in school. That's what the state said. A child as young as 10 years of age. We've created our diversion and we would say we're not going to, you know, to do that. And so, so you know, you, you have to take sometimes look at it and understand the letter of the law. But at the same time, you know, the authority rests with us in law enforcement to make the arrest. You know, the DA's office to charge the city council to make their put forth what their the community they represent. And, and we hopefully we try to find that middle ground uh, where we're doing the most effective things. Is it perfect? No, it's not meant to be perfect. I mean, it's meant to be having these kind of pushes and pulls and and and, and sometimes you go back and reevaluate uh, what it is and then you make some different decisions. Those challenges, those have always existed in the state law, but many of those laws are built at the state don't oftentimes, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, any particular case, but most times does not meet the needs of the community that we serve. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.